Greetings! On behalf of Pastor Joshua Lockett and Triad Christian Center, we welcome you to the Movement Podcast. 2019 is the year of the team player, and Pastor Josh challenges us to connect, join, and serve in the local ministry to advance the kingdom of God. We're glad you're joining us today, so let's tune in to this week's message. And the whole essence of this series is going to be us finding out, discovering who we are in Christ. How many know it's important to know who you are in Christ? And so this whole series is going to be geared towards us as believers knowing who we are. Now, I know that seems kind of uh, like it's an oxymoron or, like, or maybe like ironic or, or contradictory that as believers, we have that, that space where we don't know who we are. But you know that, 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 that you, can, you, can have, you can be a king's child but not know it. Amen. And, 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 and ignorance is costly. Say it's costly. And so what we want to do today is we want to, we want to start a series uh, of discovering who we are. I believe that a lot of times the reason why we hold back, even when we talk about the year team player and we talk about using our gifts, sometimes we, we, we struggle with that and, and believing that God has given us something because we struggle with our spiritual identity. And we don't know who we are, and, and more importantly, whose we are. And, and, and it's, it's easier sometimes said than done and, and experienced. And so this whole series, we're going to take a moment to just focus on who we are. Amen? And so I know you know your name. Amen? But more importantly, what's your spiritual identity? And so we're going to take an opportunity to do that. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, it says, We'll actually go to verse 8. Verse 10, I have it on your outline. 1 Peter chapter 2. Thank God for the extra hour today. Amen. See, God blessed you on Sunday. See, he was thinking about you. He knew you had a rough week, so he, he went on and gave you an extra hour. Amen. I had one person to say they got up, and they, they got up at the normal time, and, and, they, and they, I guess they thought about going back to sleep, but they chose to stay up. I said, the devil is a lie. I'm going. I ain't that disciplined. Amen. No. But uh, we thank God for those, those extraordinary A-plus students. Amen. First Peter chapter, Second Peter chapter, uh, actually I'm in Second Peter. First Peter chapter 2, verse 8. And it says this. It says, it says, and he is the stone that the builders, he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. Jump down to verse 9. It says, but you are not like that. Tell your neighbor, you ain't like that. It says, for you are a chosen people. Look at your name, point and say, you are a chosen people. You are royal priest. A whole, say a whole, look at them, point, get your finger out, point at them, say, you're a holy nation. God's very own possession. And it says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful life. Verse 10 says this, it says, once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Say you're God's people. Because once you receive no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Now go with me to Exodus chapter 3. And this is going to help us with our actual uh, sermon uh, series, the, the, the quote. It says, Exodus 3, this is about Moses. Say Moses. And Moses was a very interesting uh, young fella. Uh, sorry, he was a prophet. And... Uh, he, he had a very interesting life, background. Moses was the, the, uh, the unique one. He, he, uh, if you don't know the story about Moses, Moses was an uh, Israelite um, by his nationality. But when he was born, there was a mass killing of babies his age. And God supernaturally, I say supernaturally, protected him and brought him out of the water and an Egyptian woman found him, and she began to take care of him and even called his sister to come and help out. And I would say it was Miriam. It was one of them, right, Miriam. So his, his big sister came and helped him out. God was so strategic in even bringing his sister in to help him out. And he grew up in an Egyptian palace. He grew up in Egyptian royalty. And uh, so he grows up, and he's living, doing his thing. And while he's living and doing his thing, one day he goes out to see his people because he didn't forget his hood. Amen. So he went back. I don't know. You got to be careful going back to your hood. Amen. 
Sometimes God might bring you out for a reason. So, so God brought him out of his hood, and he was, he was in Hollywood or whatever. And, and Egypt, Egypt, if you didn't know, they were a superpower. Okay? They, were, they were pretty, they were, they were tough news. And, and uh, it was just that nation was powerful. And so I, I would call him a superpower. So he was raised up in there. So he went back to his hood. Amen. And he was trying to give back to the hood. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And while he was trying to give back to the hood, he ended up killing somebody. Are y'all with me? And uh, I believe um, he had a heart for his people, even though he, was, he wasn't with his people. And so he killed them. And eventually, and the next day, he saw two of his people fighting each other. Amen. And he said, y'all stop that fight. And now, you know, he was like, you know, like MJ was. MJ made a song years ago called Beat It, you know. And so he went up and saw the people fight. He said, just beat it, you know. And they said, who are you? Who, who made you the prince and judge? Y'all don't know who MJ is, Michael Jackson, for those who still lost. And um, y'all remember that? Jerry Carroll? <coughs> Some of y'all thinking about the song now. Let me bring you back. Amen. So, so he went and said, just beat it. And they said, who? They said, they said who, who do you think you are coming up in here trying to break up this fight? And then, it, then they, they brought up the fact that he killed somebody. And when he heard that, he said, man, everybody probably knows about me killing that person. And he gets up. God doesn't tell him to leave. He doesn't tell him. But he gets afraid. And in his fear, he says, everybody knows about this. And he bounced. And so when he bounced, he ran off into a land. And uh, he, he met his, his bay and everything and his boo. And uh, he, got, he, got a, he got a woman, friend, amen. And, uh, and eventually, over some years, he eventually comes into this burning bush experience with God. Very interesting because the fire is burning, but it's not consuming. How many know God can take the consuming out of fire? How many know you could be in the fire, but God can take the burning out? And so they're looking at, he's looking at this bush that should be burned up by now. And there's a fire going. There's a fire. It's a fire. And it's God in the, it's God there. And if you can go to Exodus chapter 3, it's God there, Exodus 3, verse, verse, verse 6, verse 4. And, and so he's, he's looking at the bush, and the bush is not consumed. And, and out of that bush, the Lord begins to speak to him. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if a bush starts talking to me, I, I don't know if I would stay around too long, but he didn't. He stayed there, and he said, why isn't the bush burning up in verse 3? And then it, it drew him to it. And then it says, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Moses said, here I am. Moses replied, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. How many know there's nothing like an encounter with God? And it says, when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries. How many know, how many know God takes notice of oppression? And it says, I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. That's good news. God is aware of our suffering. And it says, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. I mean, that's great. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, Lord, come rescue us. We thank you. And it says, and lead them out of Egypt into their own what? Fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Autumnites, Perizzites, Ike Turner, no, I'm sorry, uh, Hittites and Jebusites now live. And it says, no, really, it didn't say Ike Turner for the record, but it says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. It has reached me. Their cry has reached me. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, somebody needs help. Their cry has reached me. Mm. 
keep moving. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now, it was all good up until that point. I mean, he was like, oh, my goodness, this is so awesome. You see us? You care about us? That's so great. He's probably saying, that's so awesome. I'm just thinking. Then he says, verse 10, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Um, now, Moses says, but Moses protested to God, who am I? Say, who am I? Okay, that's our series right there. He said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Now, I want you to be mindful of something. When Moses actually appears before Pharaoh, he's, he's a senior citizen, okay? He's not a young whippersnapper, amen. He, he, he is a, uh, he's got his, what's that card called? The AA? Yeah, he already got that. He going to JNS after every Sunday service. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> he going to certain fast food places on senior citizens discount day. I mean, he's, He's not a young buck. Come on now. He, he is, he's getting up there in age. A lot of times when we look at Scripture, it's good to see context. Um, because he, he, he's, a, he's, he, he's, he's getting up there in age. You know, the older you get, the more stuck sometimes you get in your ways. You don't want to make new friends. You don't want to move anywhere. We got people probably year after year when hurricanes about to come, they say, I ain't going nowhere. You know why they probably saying that? Even though they tell you, but everybody about to die. You know why they, don't, they ain't moving back? Because they said, this is where I've been. I'm going to stay here. Amen. And sometimes they might make it out. But, but the point is that he was old. He wasn't, he wasn't, he was mature. Let me use that. He was seasoned. Is that better? Is that more politically correct? <laughs> he was, he was seasoned. And, um, and he was, he was, he was called by God to do something large, to do something big, do something huge. And a lot of us look at Moses and say, oh, Moses, you should have just got over it. But a lot of us struggle, too, with what God's calling us to do. We struggle, too. One of the things that you'll see about Moses is that Moses battled with insecurity. And more specifically, when it came to his mouth, he didn't feel he was a good speaker. You see him multiple. Now, you see him multiple times in Scripture. This is a man who walks through the Red Sea through his staff. He puts the staff down, and the Red Sea stands up like walls. I'm talking about he had power to the nth degree. When the last time you seen a person walk through the ocean? When, like that, What's the lake called back there? Huh? Who, deep river? Is that a river back there? That ain't no river. That's a lake. Oak Hollow River. What if somebody walked through there and put a staff down and that thing just split and stood up like walls? When the last time you seen somebody do that? That's the type of power he was about to walk in. But even with this burning bush experience and even with this, let me tell you how deep his, how deep his insecurity was. He was looking at God in a burning bush and he still questioned whether or not he was called to go. Sometimes we think, if I have great encounters, I'll do it. No, sometimes you still won't do it. He was arguing with God in a supernatural experience. And when God proves it, sometimes he said, well, God, prove this too then. And he said, well, I proved that. Now where you go? He said, no, God, prove this. Oh, well, let me get more. Well, God, if you give me a job to give me 20000 plus, I'll go. He gave you the job. He said, well, God, give me, give me an extra 10000 you're trying to get God to keep proving that he's called you to do something. He done gave you enough proof. Well, anyway, Moses is sitting there talking. And he's protesting. And guess what Moses says to God? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I? Who am I? Say, who am I? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? That's a good question, Moses. Who am I? Tell your neighbor, ask your neighbor, say, neighbor, who am I? Amen. That's what we're going to talk about. Who am I? Identity. It's easy to know who you are when everything's going well. But sometimes it's a struggle to remember who you are when everything's going terrible. Say, action neighbor again, say, who am I? Who am, who, who am I? In John chapter 13, verse 3, 
tells us about Jesus. And it says, Jesus knew he had come from the Father, and he knew that he was going to return back to the Father. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him what? Authority. What, actually, as a neighbor, what do you know about yourself? It says, Jesus knew the Father had given him authority over some things, over everything, and that he would do what? That he had done what? Come from who? I believe this speaks of identity. He knew who he came from. And he says, and would return. So he knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. And look at what it says in verse 4. It says, so he did what? And he started doing what? He took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to do what? Drying them with the towel he had around. In other words, he began to serve. Tell your neighbor, say, serve. I believe secure people are able to serve. So we see that Moses asked the question, who am I? Because I believe that when you don't know who you are, you're not ready to serve. You're not ready to say yes. You're, you're not free enough to do what God is calling you to do. But tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, it's not only important who you are. More importantly is who's with you. Because in verse 12, he comes back. Go back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. Say, it's who's with you. Uh-huh. How many of you ever went somewhere and because somebody was with you, you got special access? You, you got a little cocky, too, through your head. You better let me in because of who was with you. You know, you, went, you go back. You say, can I get in the game? Can I? Can, you know, and say, say, who you with? You call the name out. They say, oh, you come right in. You say, see, that's what I told you. You should have let me in earlier. Now you're talking junk, about to get called by the police. Amen. But God answered, I will be what? And this is your sign. He's giving them proof. I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. So Moses is asking a question, which I believe a lot of us ask when God calls us to do big things. Who am I? What, what's my identity? Who, who, really, who am I according to the Word of God? And so today we're going to start that journey on figuring out who we are. Now, why is it important to know who you are? Why is it important to know who you are? Here goes the first one. It removes mental blocks. Okay. It removes mental blocks. Your identity. <clears throat> Somebody's waiting on you, just like I believe they were waiting on Moses. They're waiting on you to bring deliverance. They're waiting on you to bring healing. They're waiting on you to bring comfort. They're waiting on you to bring a word that's going to change their life. They're waiting on you to help them financially. They're waiting on you to be a light to them. But if you don't get over who you are, then you're going to be stuck. The Bible says that Moses, in so many words, he resisted God when God called him because he didn't re He said, who am I? So mental blocks. Number two, it motivates you to be a servant. Number two, why is it important to know who you are? Because it motivates you to serve. Serving people are secure people. Number three, it removes demonic advantages. Ignorance costs us in the spiritual realm. Tell you that say it costs us. Go with me really quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for whose benefit? It says, verse 11, so that who will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his what? Stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. Go with the Amplified Version. To keep Satan from getting the what? So, what we don't know can hurt us. To keep Satan from getting the advantage over us. Tell your neighbor, say, I don't want to give the devil any advantage over me. 
for we are not ignorant of his what? Wiles and intentions. So Paul is saying, the reason why I won't give the devil an advantage is because I know too much. Y'all ain't talking to me. What you know is power. And it helps us to keep the enemy. You know, a lot of us, we, we, and it's true, we, we, we believe and we say the devil is under our feet. And we say the devil is defeated. And that snack of tooth and they call them all kind of names. Amen. I mean, you know, people that call the devil all kind of names. And some people, they ain't careful. They start cussing them. That ain't right. Come on. And anyway, they, they just mad at them. And, and it's true. Jesus has, he's, he's, the Bible says he's publicly shamed every enemy by his victory over them, Colossians 2. But even though you have the victory, it doesn't mean you will experience the victory. <laughs> it's not until you mature and you grow up, and I'm, st- I'm going to stay on identity, but l- it's not until you mature and grow up into who you really are that you can experience it. My, uh, my niece, Imani, is about, well, she's one years old now. Okay. She's one years old. She's a woman. She has... Or she is a woman. God knows she is. She's the only girl out of out of five children. So all her brothers gonna protect her. Amen. It's gonna be then, not only that, when she do start dating, it's gonna be hard because they gotta go through her dad, James, then they gotta go through her brothers, then after that they gotta go through me and my brother. That's it's gonna be hard for that brother. I'm gonna tell you that right now. And so, uh, but we thank God that's that's a couple years away, so we good. We'll be able to get healed and delivered before that. So, but anyway, she's growing up. She's going to grow up. She's a woman, but she hasn't experienced everything that a woman is yet. Y'all with me? It's not until she hits maturity that she's going to begin to experience what a woman, y'all ain't talking to me, truly is. What's her identity? Is she still a woman? Yes. But she hasn't experienced everything that a woman has because she hasn't matured yet. Y'all with me? So the enemy, I believe, tries to, he tries to keep us in a place of immaturity to where we have an identity that we'll never experience. It's the same with a young man, a man. When I was younger, my voice was like this. But as I grew older, my voice started getting like this. And I still ain't got the deepest voice, but God is helping me. I still know who I am. Amen. How many brothers know what I'm talking about? You go to the drive-thru. And they didn't drive through. They say, yes, ma'am, how may I help you? The devil is a liar. If you don't, y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on, brothers, you don't want to admit it. You know it happened to you. See, that's why you got to know who you are. We're talking about identity. I don't need that hamburger anyway. It's bad anyway. <clears throat> okay, keep moving. So, so the thing is, is that, the, the thing is, is that as a, when I begin to grow and I begin to mature, I begin to experience what I was, my identity as a man. So God calls us things before they begin to manifest in our life. He gives us identity. He tells Abraham, Abraham, you are a father of many nations. Abraham struggling having children. How is that? He doesn't have the experience, but he still has the identity. And I believe the enemy He tries to get us stuck in just having the identity without experience. But I believe that God, in this series, as we know more and more who we are, we're going to begin to experience more and more who we are. But it takes a revelation to bring manifestation. So, with that being said, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I will not be stuck in ignorance. Come on, tell me, I will not be stuck in ignorance. I am who God says I am. I will do what God says I can do in the name of Jesus. Come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. It tells us something else. It tells us when Jesus is being tempted. Jesus has just left the baptism waters where the Father comes out of heaven and said, You are my son, identity who I am well pleased in. 
Luke chapter 3. He's in the waters of baptism. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Luke 4, verse 1, let's go, Luke 4, verse 1, it says, New Living Translation, it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Verse 2, where he was tempted by who? For 40 days, Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Verse 3. It's, then the devil said to him, if you are the what? Change this stone into a loaf of bread. So he's questioning his identity. The first thing he does when he starts tempting him, according to Scripture, what's been written, he starts questioning his identity. One of the first things I believe the enemy tries to do when he's trying to distract you and destroy you, he will attack your identity. He said, if you are the son of God, this is moments after the Lord, the Father had come out of heaven and said, you are the son of God. Isn't it amazing that you can hear a message on healing and then that same week you get a diagnosis or the doctor says, I think I see something. And the enemy comes and undermines the word you just heard. And he said, is God still a healer? Is God really a healer? Is he really still a miracle worker? You said, God, I just heard a word. You came out of heaven. You, you openly said that I am your child. You openly said that you heal me. You openly said that you would deliver me. You openly said said that you will make a way out of no way. So why is it that my job is talking about laying off people the day after I hear a word like that? Because I believe the enemy tries to undermine what God speaks. And you have to know how he works. Matter of fact, the day you hear the word and you fall out and you're crying for hours because you heard a word from God, that same week the enemy is probably going to try to come and test you. And the very word you just heard, I mean, your faith is to the roof. You post on Instagram and Facebook, God is my provider. He's my number one supporter. If God before me, who can be against me? Then the next thing you know, your car breaks down. And the devil comes and whispers in your ear. And he says, who's your provider now? Y'all not talking real to me. You say, God is my comforter. Glory to God. He's my comforter. Hey, man, he satisfies me. Whether I have a lot or a little, I've learned to be content as a, as a, as a single person. And it's easy to say that when you're talking to somebody. I'm content. But you've never been without anybody. You've been dating ever since you've been in fifth grade. How many know people like that? They've been dating ever since they've been in fifth grade, and they say they're content. You're not content. You haven't even been able to test your contentment yet. You had a boyfriend on the, on, on the playground. Will you be my boyfriend? Yes or no? On the monkey bars. Glory to God. But, but, <laughs> but as soon as you have that point in time where you don't have a bait calling your number, the devil says, who's your comforter now? Is he still your comforter? Is he still going to make a way out of no way? Is he still going to provide for you? Is he still going to heal you? Is he still going to deliver you? Is that word that he spoke over you still going to come to pass? I thought God, here you go, I thought God said he was a good God. Then why did he let that loved one die who you prayed for so long? That's the enemy. He undermines the word of God. That's what some of you are battling with right now. Sometimes you don't know it's the enemy. You think it's you. It's not you. It's the devil. He's trying to question the truth that God spoke over you. So, so Jesus is going through the wilderness, and God said, and the devil says, if you be the son of God. Look at what it says in Acts 19, verse 15. To action neighbor, say, neighbor, it's important to know who I am. Acts 19, verse 15. There's some men who are going around casting out demons. And uh, whether you believe in exorcism or not, amen, just, just stay with me on this scripture. Amen. It says, but one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul. But who are you? And it says right after that, guess what happens? Verse 16, then the man with the evil spirit leaped. 
I tell you, the devil, he always, who are you? He questioned, who are you? Now, I, I, I know different people think different things about the scripture. These men were out of place. They shouldn't have been casting out demons. But could it be that that the demon was just trying to get them to question who they were? He was just trying to undermine who they thought they were called to be. And I believe if the enemy can get you in fear and get you in questioning mode, it's going to cause you to walk in less and less power. The Bible says immediately after they jumped on or they asked him that question, the Bible says the man with the evil spirit leaped on them. He did what? He over and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. That happened after he asked, who are you? And you notice the man never gives an answer even when he gets beat down by the demon. When the devil asks you who you are, you better be able to say, I'm this child of God. I'm blessed and highly favored. Come on. I'm anointed and I'm appointed. I'm called by God. He says, who are you? You should take your life. When you realize who you are, I believe it helps you to not be overpowered by demonic forces. I go to one more scripture. Say one more scripture. Romans chapter 6. Verse 3. I'm giving you a lot of scripture. We're going to go deeper in this series, but I'm just going to start this series off just like this. We're going to go deeper. Say, we're going to go deeper. We're just, we're just kind of giving the basis for this. Romans 6, verse 3, it says, Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his what? Verse 4. For we died and were buried with who? By baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live what? Verse 5, it says this, since we have been united with who? And his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Verse 6, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. And it says, we are. Say, we are. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, we are. Come look at your other neighbor, say, neighbor, we are. This is identity. We are no longer slaves to sin. In other words, we are free. Whether you are experiencing this or not, you are no longer a slave to sin because of the work of Calvary. But it's our job to renew our mind to where we can begin to experience what God has already said about us. Can I get an amen? Look what it says, verse 7. Look what it says, verse 7. It says, for when we died with who? See, our identity is wrapped up in him. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. See, Imani, she's a woman. She can, she can have babies. She just hasn't experienced it yet. She's got to mature. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some process. Come on, can I get an amen? So, so, so here's the thing. Are we just saved all right, let me ask you, it's one thing to be saved, it's another thing to experience salvation. I'm saved. You see, the devil might say, okay, I can't keep you from being saved no more, but I will keep you from experiencing salvation. So, I'm just going, I'm going to allow you to profess something that you'll never live. Y'all with me? But Paul said this, he says, verse, verse 2 he says, shall we keep on sinning that grace may abound? And he says, he says, he says verse 2, go to verse 2 in the same chapter. Look at what he, says. he says, of course not. Since we have died, it's actually verse 1, but don't go back to it. He says, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And then he says, verse 3, this is the part I want to focus in because this is the identity part. Or have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? Actually, let me say, have you forgotten? Okay, that's, that's key. So, it removes demonic advantages, okay? And then the other thing, number four, knowing who you are determines your lifestyle. All right? That's what he's kind of saying right there. He's saying, basically, guys, if you don't know who you are in Christ, you're not going to be able to live at the level God's called you to live. Can I get an amen? So, ignorance is costly. Our purpose and our power is unlocked through knowing our identity, more specifically, our identity in Christ. I know your daddy gave you a name, and I know some people call you Pookie and Boo Boo, but what does God call you? Amen. And so here's three things that should never name us. I'm going to give you this really quickly. You ready? Number one, our past. Don't ever allow your past to name you. 
Don't, don't ever allow your past to identify you. I know some of us have had some crazy past. Some crazy, we, some of us have been abused, and we, just a couple weeks ago, we heard some women talking about, I think one woman was talking about she had been raped, and she had been, she, she had been dealt with in the wrong way, and, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy, I believe, will love to use your past to define who you are, but my Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become what? New. So it doesn't matter who I was back then. What matters is who I am right now in Christ. Y'all ain't talking to me. I have a new identity because of what Christ has done for me. I got a new identity. So don't allow your past to define you. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, don't allow your past to define you. Don't allow it to name you. Don't allow, don't allow your, your financial crisis in your past to name you. Come on now. Don't allow your divorce to name you. Don't, don't allow the people who betrayed you to name you. Come on. Don't allow your hurt to name you. Don't allow your scars to name you. There's only one who should name you, and that is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the only one who can release identity. It's not my past. It's him. Come on now. Look at this. Ruth chapter 1 verse 20 tells us something. Ruth chapter 1 verse 20. This is about a bitter woman. We talked about Ruth some, some time ago, but there was a woman named Naomi. Come on now. Naomi, verse, actually I'm going to go to verse 19. She, I think she allowed her past to name her. I'm going to show you why. It says, so the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was what? Sighted by their arrival. And they said, is it really? Is it really Naomi? The women asked. And look at what this look at look at what Naomi said, verse 20. Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. Don't call me pleasant. She said, Don't call me Naomi. She said, or she responded, instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. What happened? She lost her husband. She lost her two sons. Death. Fatality. So she said, don't call me pleasant. I'm going to redefine myself. Y'all not with me. Don't allow your situation to redefine you. Come on now. You are still who God's called you to be no matter what you're experiencing right now on your job, in your family. Come on, I'm helping somebody out right now because you're trying to redefine yourself based on your situation. But your situation can't name you. Only God can name you. So she starts saying, uh, call me bitter, call me, call me bitter, call me bitter, just call me bitter, call me Myra. I don't know what, I don't know what y'all calling yourself, but some people might say, I'm going to call me failure because I, because I just messed up. Just call me a failure. Y'all ain't talking to me. How many people think that they're failures because of what they did wrong or what somebody else did to them? Come on now. Somebody else might say, call me forsaken because everybody left me in my family. Everybody left me on my job. Nobody calls me anymore. Call me forsaken. Call me fearful. Amen. I, I, I can't reach out. I'm too, I'm too paralyzed by the spirit of fear. So call me fearful. Actually, neighbor, say, neighbor, what are you calling yourself these days? And call me crazy. Some people say, Mike, call, call me crazy because I'm just crazy. I don't know karate, but I know crazy. Come on now. Call me crazy. Call me lonely. Nobody wants to be around me. Call me abandoned. Call me hated. Call me bitter. Call me forsaken. Call me a loser. Call me inadequate. Call me bound. I cannot get over this addiction. I'll always be stuck in this addiction. I'll never be able to get over this. But the devil is a liar. I'm not going to allow my failures and my mistakes to define who I am. I still am in Christ Jesus. I still am a son of of God. I still am blessed. Come on now. I still am righteous in Jesus Christ. There's no longer any condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. I am who God says I am. Don't allow it to define you. That's what happened with Naomi. She allowed her life to define her, her past. Here goes the second thing. Don't allow your pain to define you. Don't allow your pain. She was going through pain. She was frustrated. Man, I can't get a break for nothing. Don't allow it to define you. Don't allow it to define you. It's amazing how God came to Gideon, and Gideon was one had one of the smallest tribes. He was this, and God called him a mighty man of valor. You would think he would call him that right after he had a great victory. He didn't have any great victories, but God was still calling him mighty. 
What are you calling yourself? Here goes number three. Number three, wrong people. Don't let the wrong people name you. Because people will try to identify your name you too. How many people are stuck on what their teacher told them in third grade? Y'all know what I'm talking about? That teacher tried to name you. And you haven't been able to get rid of that label for even in adulthood. You're 50 years old and you still got a chip on your shoulder. Because they said you were stupid. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They said you would never amount to anything. They said you might as well not even talk about college. You'll never go to college. Come on now. And that's why some people have a chip on their shoulder. Can I tell you one of the signs of insecurity? You overcompensate. You overkill everything. You know why? Because you have a chip on your shoulder. Some people think it's motivation. You should never be motivated by your pain. I'm motivated to do business because of my pain. No. God uses pain, but he, motivation shouldn't be through pain because then everybody that comes around you can get come into the pain you in. Y'all ain't talking to me. So now you become an abuser, you become a manipulator, you become a liar. Why? Because I am trying to heal a pain that you can't heal. And so after that person who makes millions makes more millions, and after they make millions, they make more millions, and they make billions, they're still hurting. Why? Because the whole time they've been making money to try to get rid of the chip on their shoulder. And as soon as they get millions, one person comes and says, I still don't like you. We're no, we're no more than a child in middle school or high school trying to get the hottest shoes so they can be, you know, so somebody could pat them on the back. We do the same thing as adults because it doesn't go away in time. It goes away when God heals you. Can I get an amen? It, it goes away when God heals you. How many men are burning with the passion of their past? In other words, they're, they're burning from the pain of what daddy didn't do for them. So now they're trying to overdo they're extra loud in business meetings. Y'all ain't talking to me. They're extra loud on their job. They take over every conversation. They're control freaks. You ain't talking to me. Why? Because they have a chip on their shoulder that they're trying to get rid of. The devil is a liar. I'm not going to overkill. Don't need to overkill. Don't need to try to make up for an insecurity that only God can heal. I need to just get in God's presence and say, God, fill me in the area that I'm still empty in. I'm not going to try to satisfy it through my accomplishments. You'll be striving your whole life. And you know what? It'll be like a bank account. It will always be negative. Isn't that real? How many people are still trying to get rid of the negative things in their bank account? Their spiritual bank accounts. <laughs> they, they, have, they have six kids. And they still feel like Because there's a hole that you can't get rid of. That hole can only be filled by the presence of God. How many people said, if I could just get married to the right person, no condemnation, but after six husbands, you're still struggling with security. Because a husband can't fill the gap. A husband can't define you. A husband can't name you. Come on now. A wife can't name you. She can tell you, my Mr. Superman, Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. And you still feel like a wimp. Come on now. Because she can't fill that hole. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So after all the millions, after getting house after house, I got, you know, I just bought another house. You can't even afford it, but you say, I bought another house. Why? Because you want somebody to pat you on the back. Can I, can I free you up today? You don't need another pat from another person. What you need is the presence of God. You need the Father to come out of heaven and say, this is my child who I'm well pleased in. Come on now. You don't need another pat. You need the presence of God. You need the power of God to come and set your mind free. Yes, they left you, but there's one who will never leave you nor forsake you, and his name is Jesus. I don't care if they told you you will never amount to anything. The cross of Jesus tells you that you are valuable. Stop striving to get rid of that chip on your shoulder. As I've grown up, I've realized that time don't heal nothing. 
is Jesus. Some people tell you, you'll grow out of it. No, you won't. If you don't get it, there's some things you can't grow out of without God's Spirit. Come on now. So tell your neighbors and neighbor, don't let people define you. I didn't even give you the scripture. Let me show you the scripture. Luke chapter 1. I got to go. Luke chapter 1, verse 59. And I wonder if that's why so many people are addicted to likes on Instagram and Facebook. Because they want people just to, they want people to name them. Boy, you you are so successful. You're just a super dad. Look at you. You do everything. Amen. You take care of the kids, change the diapers. You run a side business, work work, work 25 hours a day. Come on. You never go to sleep. You the man. And you say, oh, that feels so good. And that lasts you for about three hours. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Then the next day you make another post. And what happens is, you got you got you got 200 likes the first day. The second day you only get 100 likes, and you walk in depression because of the hundred that you're missing. That's a problem. I'm not gonna allow nobody likes on Instagram to determine my emotional state. You know what? That's the spirit. That means I'm waiting on somebody to define me. I'm waiting on somebody to name me. But if we would just pray and seek the face of God and get in God's Word, we'll see that somebody's already naming us. Somebody's already defining us. And whether they like our post or not, whether they say our baby is cute or not, whether they say we look like we got money or not, there's somebody that says you got a whole lot of potential, and his name is Jesus. He's come to give me life and life more abundantly. Come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord. I'm speaking to somebody today because you're depending on people to name you. You're depending on people to settle you. And I'm not against it because God uses fathers. I believe that's probably why we got a lot of problems today, because the fathers are not in their place. I'm not saying God doesn't use people. Really, you see Scripture, fathers were always in place to name their children. They gave them identity. And that's why sometimes in our own culture, we struggle so much because we don't know who we are. We don't know who we are, so we settle for anything. When you don't know who you are, you're more likely to settle for anything. And I've come to say that thing is going to stop in Jesus' name. You're not going to settle for this mess the devil has given you. You're going to go higher and above because of what God has said about you. Go with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 59. i got to close this. When the baby was eight days old, talking about John the Baptist, they all came for the circumcision of ceremony. Circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him. What? That's what they wanted to name him. That's what they wanted to name him. That's what they want. You can't let people define you. You got to let what God says define you. After his father, in verse 60, says this. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is what? You got to name him what God has called you to name him. What's your identity? Who are you? Actually, they say, hey, well, who are you? That's why some people, that's why some parents even when their kids move out of the house and you have what you call empty nests, they forget who they are. Because for the last 18 years, you've been making sure they had food every night. They did their homework. I told you! Did, ah, every night. And then, watch this, when they finally move out, you don't even know who they are. Your whole life was wrapped up in them. But can I tell you, God loves you too. And he's got a purpose for you too. Your identity is more than just being a parent. It's more than just being a spouse. It's more than just having a bay. How many young single women are so lost right now because they don't have a man stroking their hair, picking them up on Friday night? Listen, if he don't pick you up on Friday, get a pickup from the Holy Spirit. Come on now. Why sometimes women put up so many pictures just thinking right now. They got a picture with full-blown makeup, just three hours of makeup because they want to get a like. Men say, I just had a great workout. We don't need to know about your workout today. They want a like. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, y'all laughing, but it's ingrained. It's a, we are becoming addicted to the praises of people. 
Come on now. We're getting addicted to the honor of men more than the honor of God. But you cannot fulfill God's call if you're addicted to the honor of man because sometimes man will despise you. I wonder if they like me today. I wonder if they like me today. I, I'm going to Thanksgiving this year, and again, I'm going to be the only one. I'm not coming with anybody. So, right, so your whole identity is wrapped up in having somebody at the Thanksgiving table. Just go pick somebody up off the street and just bring them with you. Yeah. If you want if you want just go. <laughs> Thank God. I just want somebody to be with me at Thanksgiving this year. So when my family start asking, now who you talking to? You could just point. I ain't got to say, just look. Y'all, come on now, man. Your identity is more than the car you drive. Come on now. I know you got that Bentley and got that, oh, actually it's a Benz. Uh, but you got that Benz and you, 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 you gave all your salary towards trying to get it. It's going to take you a million years to pay off. I know you did, but it ain't worth it, man. It's not worth it. You know, some of us, the epitome of our life is just getting as much as we can. But you know what? Jesus says, what does it profit the man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? I thought about a man, I was, and I got to close, you know, preachers got to have three closes. I thought about a man who had millions of dollars, I think he had billions of dollars. And I heard, I don't know if this is true, but he lost, after the World Trade Centers went down, he lost billions of dollars. And he jumped in front of a, a, um, a train and killed himself. How do you kill yourself and you still have billions in the bank? Because your joy only comes from the Lord. True joy only comes. Somebody said, I want to try it out. I want to get billions and see if that works. No, I'm telling you, true joy only comes from the Lord. That's why we're so surprised when actors and actresses sometimes take their life or are abusing their lives. She's like, how can you do that? You got all that money? That's so stupid. There's only one who can heal your soul. I'm, I'm helping somebody out today because you're looking at all these other things, and it's really going to be the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, three ways to know your identity. You, know your, you can only know yourself as you know Christ. You can only know yourself as you know Christ. Your identity is wrapped up in Jesus. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, that our real life is hidden in Christ. Romans 6, verse 4 tells us that we died with Christ. We'll go more into this as the series goes on. But really, whatever you see in Jesus, whenever you see Jesus, you see yourself. Because Jesus, the man, Jesus, the man, not Jesus, God, Jesus, the man is a prophecy of everything we're about to walk into. So that means that whenever you see Jesus, you're almost seeing your foretelling. Y'all ain't talking to me. The Bible says the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness or a clear picture of Jesus. That means that every prophetic word is leading you to Jesus. Y'all ain't talking to me. To Jesus. So Jesus is a picture of where you are going. I think about a puzzle box. Y'all know when y'all get the puzzle box on the outside, you see the completed picture. Y'all ain't talking to me. But when you open up the box, it's not what? It's not completed, but over a process of time of taking this piece and taking that piece, all things begin to work together. You ain't talking to me for the good of them that love him. And God begins to put piece after piece after piece together in a process to bring you into the person of Jesus Christ to where you look more like Jesus. Our goal should be to look more like Jesus when we see Jesus we should see ourselves. And I'll show you this more in Scripture, but just trust me on that right now. So, number one, we know ourselves and we know Christ. Uh, it was Peter who said, Jesus, you are the Son of God. And as soon as he said, Jesus, you are the Son of God, Jesus turns around and said, you are Peter. His identity came. Are y'all with me? He was able to, he came into a revelation of himself and who he really was. Jesus had already spoken earlier. He said, you will be Peter. But when he realized who Jesus was, then he came into manifestation of who he was. Can I tell you this? The revelation of Jesus will transform you. Y'all ain't talking to me. So number one, when you know Christ, you know yourself. 
And number two says, you can only know yourself through the Word of God. Say the Word of God. Come on, say it again. Say the Word of God. Matthew 16, verse 18 talks about this where Jesus speaks over him. It's through the Scriptures of God, the Word, what God is speaking over your life. And, and I'm here today to tell you that some of you, man, you need to get back in your time of prayer, man. You need to get back in a time of intimacy with God so he can begin to speak over you and begin to tell you who you are. You need to get in his presence so that he can begin to affirm you in your identity again. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, the scripture is profitable. It teaches us the truth. And then in number three, it says, you can only know yourself through the Spirit of God. Say, I can only know myself through the Spirit of God. Romans 8 verse 16 tells us that there is a spirit of adoption, and this spirit tells us that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit, when He falls on you, He don't just make you speak in tongues. He don't make you just shake, but He confirms that you are who God says you are. You are a child of God. No matter what they say to you, you are still a child of God. No matter who left you, you still are a child of God. It says, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to do what? to affirm that we are what? Verse 17, look at what it says, and I'm closing. It says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with who? You remember our identity is locked up in Christ. We're going to unpack this later this month. We are heirs of God's glory. Look at all that that's coming to you because you're in Christ. But if we are to, look at this, this is a bold word. We're going to share his glory. It says we must also, and this is the part we don't like, our identity is so wrapped up in Christ that not only do we share his victories, but we also share his suffering. Jesus connects with us so much that when Paul was persecuting him, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul, Saul wasn't going up to heaven, the right hand of the Father, and doing that. No, he was persecuting the body. But Jesus is so connected to us. He's such a team player. Y'all ain't getting what I'm saying. That when you hit one of my teammates, you hit me. You ain't talking to me. It's, it's, just, it's just like a husband. A real good husband says that when you touch my wife, you touch me. And, and he said, now, now what's going on? A real good husband comes up and says, now, brother, what you talking about? Why? Because when you touch her, you touch me. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I'm so glad that I have an identity in Christ. And I'll close with this, my last closing. I was thinking about this, Mephosa. Y'all ever watched the movie Lion King? There's a scene in Lion King. Somebody said both of them. Y'all love Lion King way too much. Y'all let me close now. Lion King. So Lion King, they made the new one, and I don't know, I might like the cartoon one better. That's another story. But anyway, so Lion King, let's not get distracted. So Lion King... Lion King come, and you got Simba, you got Mufasa, then you got Scar. Then you got Nala. And, and uh, there's a scene where, uh, in, in, in the movie of Lion King uh, where Simba is, the stampede comes, and the wildebeest are coming. They're like, run, 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 run. You know, they're running, and the, those hyenas are laughing. One of them was Whoopi Goldberg, I think, in the cartoon. And that's another story. But anyway, so they... Stampede's coming down, and they're chasing Simba, and it's just really, it's a, it's, it's, it, it kind of can make you cry a little bit. And so they're coming after little Simba, and all of a sudden, here come Mufasa, the father of, you know, of Simba. He comes, he comes down to save the day. Ain't there like a father come and save the day? So he comes, and he, 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 he comes to Simba, and he finds Simba in the midst of a, of a tragedy, in the midst of tribulation. He comes, and he, and he grabs Simba by, the, by, the, by his mouth. He actually picks him up by the mouth. That's kind of weird. But he, that's what lions do. And he takes Simba up and brings him to safety. And then Simba gets knocked off the branch. I got the whole movie in my head. And then they come and they pick him up. And then he puts Simba up on a ledge. Ain't that like God? He'll put you in a safe place. Come on now. And so, and, and, and so, and so, so Simba, so Mufasa puts him up there. And then Mufasa goes up and he's, he's crawling up. And we know the scene scar. He says, he says, he says, you know, he kind of says what he says. And he releases Mufasa back. Not to get, not, yeah, yeah he's a lone little king. And down goes Mufasa. And Mufasa is dead. Then they play the sad music and everybody started crying. And so, and so Simba is right there. He's, he's talking. He's trying to get his dad to wake up. His dad won't wake up. And, 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 and then Simba goes back to Scar. And Scar says, leave and never come back. Y'all remember that? See, it's amazing that they call him Scar. Let me go to this side. 
Let me go back to this side. See, it was a scar. Y'all not talking to me. See, it was the scar that caused him to run from his purpose. You didn't get what I said. He said, leave and never come back. How many of us are, are, are struggling with returning to our purpose because of the scars in our life? You ain't talking to me. But God today wants to heal your heart. But guess what? Tell say, it don't stop there. Say, there's some more in Lion King. So scar, the scar tells him to run. He tells him to run. So Simba runs away, and he goes and he meets some people called Timon. And Timon, is it Simone? Timon, it's Timon. I had it right, Timon and Pumbaa. So Timon and Pumbaa, Timon is a, a meerkat or something like that, and then Pumbaa is a, is a warthog. That's just a nat- Thank God for it. Never mind. Uh, so, so he meets them, and they sing a different songs, like In the Jungle, uh, My Jungle, The Lions Sing Tonight, and uh, they sing that song. And then they also sing Akuna Matata. Amen. They start speaking in tongues. You know, but then they, 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 they start, excuse me, Holy Spirit. No, excuse me. So, then, so, then, <laughs> so they, 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 they're singing the song, and they're, they're going to town, and, and they start, they, they're teaching Simba a lifestyle that he wasn't called to walk in. Now, y'all, y'all say, well, they were just my friend. They was his friends. But uh, 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 uh. the movie is called The Lion King. He was called to be a king. Now, God worked everything together in a movie. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But, but what I'm trying to say is that he was hanging out with them, eating, eating worms and eating bugs. and He wasn't even eating the appetite of a lion. I didn't see him eat one antelope the whole time. That's what lions eat. His whole app, y'all ain't talking to me. His whole appetite had changed because he was out of place. Y'all ain't talking to me. And that's how some of us are. We're eating the wrong stuff, putting the wrong things in our spirit because we're forgetting who we are. Hanging out with Timon and Pumbaa. Y'all ain't talking to me. And you know, Timon and Pumbaa make you feel comfortable. They make you feel good. But they'll keep you complacent. And they'll keep you stagnant because you were called to be more than just a person that sings Hakuna Matata. You were called to be the king of the jungle. You were called to reign with Christ. You were called to walk in your authority. But you got stuck with Timon and Pumbaa. Means no worries. Yeah, it's just a great time. Hang on. But you, that business has not even come to fruition yet that God's called you to walk in because you hung out with the wrong crowd. But then there's a scene in the movie that starts changing the story. Now, I don't believe in witchcraft. I don't believe in all that stuff. Rafiki, we got to pray for him. But, but Rafiki comes and he says, Simba's alive. Y'all know the story. Y'all can go back and watch that movie today. Yes? I don't know if there's that much in it. So Rafiki comes back. And Rafiki, he's, he's like, Rafiki, the boy is alive. You know, Rafiki. And so Rafiki, he's a bamboo, uh, bamboo, whatever it is. And so he goes back and, and, and he goes and, lie, and Simba runs to the, the water. First of all, he sings, uh, Can't You Feel the Love Tonight by Elton John. That's another story because now that's another story. So he, he comes and he looks in the water and he says, What do you see? You didn't get what I said. What do you see? What do you see? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? That's the problem sometimes. Because what we're seeing is not what God sees. God says, Abraham, you're a father of many nations because that's what I see. What do you see? And he looked and then he looked again. And what he saw began to change. And he no longer just, he saw Simba, he saw Mephasa. Y'all ain't talking to me. And he saw somebody in him that he couldn't see before. Can I tell you what happened as you look in the Word and look at yourself? You'll begin to see Jesus on the inside of you. You might not have known he was on the inside of you, but you'll begin to see the resurrection, the truth, the way, the life living on the inside of you. What do you see? What do you see? Who am I? And Mephasa told him something. He said, boy, he says, you've forgotten me and you've forgotten who you are. Because I believe when you forget Jesus, you'll forget who you are. He said, you've forgotten me. You've forgotten who you are. And then he goes on to say, you are the king. And after that, Simba eventually turns around and he goes back to Pride Rock. And he deals with scar. He deals with the scar of his past. People of God, some of y'all, y'all might be hanging out with Timon and Pumbaa. There's a higher level lifestyle that God wants to bring you into. 
I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying you're living beneath what God has called you to walk in. And it's comfortable, but it's not your calling. So today, my question is, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Better question is, who are you? Because if you know that, it's going to determine what you do. Stay on your feet. I, I, took, I took too long, but give a shout of praise to the Lord if that blessed your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what had you on the run. I don't know what has you on the run. I don't know if it's scar. I don't know if it was a divorce, if it was the death of a loved one. I don't know if it was the loss of a job. I don't know what has you on the run and is causing you to forget who you are in Christ Jesus. But today, the devil is a liar, and I declare his power is broken over your mind. Depression will not rule you. Anxiety will not rule you. Suicide will not rule you. Fear will not rule you. Come on now. Nervousness will not rule you. Panic attacks will not rule you. But the presence of Jesus Christ will rule and reign and abide in you. If every head bow, every eye closed. Ah, when I count to three today, you come here today, you said, you know what? I forgot who I was. I lost track of my identity. More importantly, I started hanging out in the wrong place. And I want to come back to my purpose. When I count to three, if that's you, I would like to pray with you. Pray for you. One, two, life hits you hard, but you're coming back. Three, slip your hand up. I'll pray with you. Pray for you. That's you. I'm going to pray with you. Pray for you. I see that hand right there. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? See that hand right there. I see that hand right there. Hallelujah. Come on. If you, you need to pray, you need that prayer, come on. Just raise your hand. Come on. Just pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I realize that through you, I am righteous. I realize that through you, I am blessed. I have identity through you, Jesus. And today I receive that identity by the blood of Jesus, by the cross of Calvary. I believe, Jesus, you took my place. You were buried, and you rose again. And I thank you that because you rose again, that I have resurrection life in me. And so I receive it today. I turn from my wicked ways, and I turn to you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody say amen and give a shout of praise to the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. Hallelujah. Woo. For the rest of this series, I'm, I'm to believe, I'm going to believe God is going to heal us and deliver us. And, and restore us back to our identity and what he's called us to do. Tell your neighbors today, we're going to stop hanging out with Timon and Pumbaa. Amen. Amen. We're going back to pride rock, humble rock. Amen. Glory to God. I'm changing it. Amen. Glory to God. You have a purpose. God has power for you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's show. Were you empowered to become a team player? Let us know. Connect with us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Triad Christian. Facebook, Triad Christian Center. And you can also visit our website, triadchristiancenter.org. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you back next week to The Movement Podcast.